to end if love remains a unique show spotlighting people ideas science culture and art your host mike lovett, mike lovett. um arizona there is a bill currently pending before the arizona state legislature that would require school children public school, charter school children, to recite the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Now this bill just passed the state house and was passed on a party line vote. All the Republicans in favor, all the Democrats against. This this is a a particular problem for people who are neither Democrats nor Republicans. Because if you point out the problems and there are a panoply of problems with this pledge right the conservatives claim you don't love your country Mm -hmm. you know and the uh the democrats will think you side with them on everything and the republicans will think you side with the democrats and everything and in an article i wrote an article for the new american just got published two days ago and i was saying first of all there are a lot of problems with the history of the Pledge of Allegiance. For sure. Right? Just the history of that little oath is worrisome and should be worrisome to conservatives. But apparently it's not enough so to keep, I mean, literally every Republican voted in favor. Then you've got, beyond the history of it, with the the authorship of the pledge, the purpose for which it was written, then you've got the fact that it, is completely the the principles of the pledge run contrary to the principles espoused by our founding fathers and enshrined in the declaration and in the constitution how do we get conservatives republicans to abandon their allegiance to the pledge of allegiance how do we get them to be intellectually honest enough How do we get them to be genuinely true to our founding principles, which they all claim they are? Right. How do we get them to do that? And, you know, that's the purpose of my article. And I made a little video on Instagram, sort of marketing it, I guess people would say in a vulgar way, but I wasn't trying to market it. I was simply saying, conservatives, Republicans, many of you follow me. Can you read this and comment and tell me why? After having read this, you would still support a bill forcing children to recite this pledge. And so that was my genuine question. That was the purpose of the video. And then I said, um, you know, comment on it because I said, it's one thing for you as conservatives, self described conservatives, to surrender your children to be educated by the government you claim to loathe. Mm-hmm. But it's quite another to re- to require them to learn to swear fidelity to the federal government. Right. So comments from from the uh, think tank. I mean, I have some thoughts. Do you want to go first, Connor? You go first. Okay. So here's here's my 
my my first thought is if the, I think it's really important that you asked you asked the, I think a really important question how do we get people to realize and so let me share my story a little bit because I was a tried and true Republican I was a guy who believed for the longest time that um, it was important to that 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 being a good uh, freedom-loving person meant espousing the principles of the Constitution, and part of that meant espousing the flag. Now, personally, I, I never um, had a problem. I, like, like I had a problem with, like, laws that, for, that against, like, burning the flag and things. I thought that was against the First Amendment, even when I was young. But the Pledge of Allegiance was a big deal. And um, I think that when I realized I had a friend that, talk to me about the pledge of allegiance and what it really is saying. And as a God fearing person, I think that's the important thing is, you know, the very first commandment says thou shalt not put any God before me. And when you pledge allegiance, give fidelity to that. Um, you are literally stating that the, country, that the federal government, that I'm going to pay my taxes before I'm going to pay my tithing, that I'm going to, um, I'm going to go against the principles of thou shalt not kill and go to war, uh, that I'm going to hate my enemy. That, that I'm going to go to war that isn't even a war because, right. you know, why since time immemorial have there been, has there been this custom among men of declaring war? No one ever asks that. Right. Why, why not just go to war? Why do you have to declare it? Because by declare, and Grotius is very clear on this, Devadal is very clear on this, by declaring war, you are announcing to the rest of humanity that you're pushing pause right. on the regular rules of coexistence. That's right. Chiefly, chief among those, thou shalt not kill. I'm going to start killing you. And you have to present in the declaration of war, you have to present your justification for mm -hmm. violating this commandment that cuts across religion, that cuts across culture. There is no culture where it's fine to just kill wantonly. That's right. And 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 I think that where the, the pledge plays a huge role in this, and it's something that that we don't take seriously enough, is that it has become a sacrament. It has become something that every single day, it's a religious ceremony that we sit down and that every child, every day, and now it's going to be under the color of law that we need to stand up and, and declare every day our, our, our fealty to the tyrant. That we need to say that no matter, no matter what my principles say, I am going to do what the federal government says. Right. And the whole thing being, you know, I can imagine Republicans who voted in favor of this. And the many Republicans who support this, mm -hmm. you know, who aren't elected representatives, I can hear them saying, that's not in the pledge. But it is. It is, it is by definition. Yeah, it is. And this is the, something that I used to talk about in school when I taught school. And I remember it was the second year that, so the first year at Gateway, at Heritage Academy Gateway, one of, several of the kids would ask, why don't you say the pledge? I mean, I stood up because I did. You know, there's no reason to sit down and make yourself a a cause, but I wouldn't say. And so many kids would say, "Why don't you say it?" 
And I would explain like, what does pledge mean? Mm-hmm. Tell me right now. I don't know. What does allegiance mean? I don't know. What does indivisible mean? I don't know. You're saying these words. You're putting your hand over your heart. And you're looking at this thing. And you have no idea what you're saying. That should cause pause for you. That should cause you to go home and say, why are you surrendering me to a stranger to be educated? Why am I sitting here reciting an oath and I have no idea what I'm promising to do? Right. And the repetition cuts that deep. It's a sacrament. Deep uh, tunnel in your brain. You know, Mike, a physical presence in your brain that says flag equals hand on heart equals, you know, allegiance to what? And how it became a conservative sacrament is a mystery. Well, and, and here's the other thing I think that's important. I, and I'm, I'm not giving Connor any time, but I, I, I got to say this. I, and I remember this specifically when Mitt Romney was running for president, but you can find it's not a Mitt Romney problem. It's a political class problem. It's a, it's a cultural problem. When he was asked, would he, was he first an American or was he first a Mormon? What was, how was he going to lead? Right. You know, and, and I understand the politics of saying, you know what? I'm first a disciple of Jesus Christ. Like that wouldn't probably fly with many people, but that has to be the truth. And if we're not, we've got to start looking for leaders that say, my first principle is not the constitution is not the principle is not what the legislature says. It is not anything but Christ. Christ is King. Exactly. Simply said, no king but Christ. And that shouldn't be something that is anathema to conservatives in in America. And you know, you're you know, mentioning that um, you know, I don't have fidelity to the Constitution or or any of that. That that's absolutely correct. And I remember in always teaching people like wh- here's a copy of the Constitution. Find me the word nation in it. It's find me where this is declared anything other than a union. Right. Here and so in my article, I present the words of Patrick Henry, the words of James Madison, the words of Alexander Hamilton, saying, "This is not a nation. This is a confederacy of sovereign, independent states." I mean, literally in the mouth. But this is my thing, guys. That. I, I can hear a conservative being like, Agrippa, almost thou persuadest me. Right. I'm almost persuaded. It sounds good because here are the founding fathers that I actually trust rather than Joey, who I know has an angle, an agenda. <laughs> right? What, yeah, my angle is to make you freer, Slick. Right. Right? But that's cool. You think I have an agenda because that's what you're accustomed to by the talking heads. You know, the the paid the loyal opposition. But here's where I would agree with the progressives and the left. I would say, who cares what the constitution says? What has the constitution become? What is it now? Because it really doesn't matter. I mean, we can, we can conservatives can spout all they want. uh, What the original intent of the constitution was or what the bill of rights really meant. And I, and I think those are important discussions because they don't know. Right. But my point is, it doesn't, in, in a way, it doesn't matter because the Constitution, there is no Constitution. What, what, listen, the, the, the tax law 
alone, the IRS immediately gets rid of the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Tenth Amendment. Like, like just that one agency alone destroys the Bill of Rights and plus other things. So, but why, why in the world? Um, I, I think that's a difficult thing. It's the traditions of man that get in the way. Yes, that's true. But and it has become a tradition. But it's it's only since the early 1900s. Right. You know, we've talking we're talking 120, 120 years that it's gone for from there's hardly a school in America with a flag to there's hardly a school in America without a flag, much less just a school, a classroom now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mike, if you read the history in 1880, you couldn't find a school with a flag or a classroom with a flag. Today you can't find them without it. But that's part of the plan. That's the that, that's going to mass every single day. That's the that's the um, you know putting out the incense every single you know every single day you know no, for I, the congregants. I saw the kids' reaction when I would take them to D.C. Right, right, right. These buildings built larger than the scale to, of man. Why? To impress. Yep. This is an important place. Right, right. The. Lincoln literally with his temple to the what? Right. Literally like the pose of Zeus with the apotheosis. (laughs) I mean, literally. And these kids would, they would get to the, to the Vietnam Memorial and they'd cry. All these people protecting my Liberty. All these people sacrificed to fascism. Yeah. And, and And that's what you're swearing allegiance to mate. and, And I don't count the kid. You can't, you're, you're not making your, own decisions your parents drop you off here every morning or put you on a bus every morning and drop you off i tell you mike there is not one of the parents of the hundreds of kids that i taught that could have told me my middle name or what town i was born in that's disturbing yeah because you're saying oh well the government says you're okay right right i have a license i have a you know permission so, Connor. Well, thank you. Um, Connor's like, thank you, uh, thank, thank you, you for, for giving me the opportunity finally to step in on this. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mind listening at all. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, but I think returning back to the original question, how can we get um, those who don't, you know, view it the same way as as we do? How can we help them, or at all? What would the strategy be? Um, I think if we understand why, that could reveal a lot to to how. And it, it goes kind of goes back to what we were saying before, and maybe I should have interjected, but it comes back down to the idea of what they view as righteous. Because cons- conservatives, for a while, I mean, it no doubt. I mean, you, you, you can you can see this throughout history by other names, but they connect a sort of sacredness, a godliness to the power and the authority that they hold so dear above them. And, and they, they attach divinity to the character of, of their government because well, that's what I they live pause, for. Because I want to say that you've written something, you know, you've studied this a lot. I want people to know if people end up hearing this other than ourselves, that <laughs> you've written on this subject, you've written a lot of very 
persuasive, powerful material on this concept of, of, you know, the deification of despots. And you've done a really good job of that. So that's my way of I mean, saying pay attention to what basically is, I mean, if you look at the devotion of, of some of these people, it becomes beyond reason and more of a faith if you really look at it. Oh, there's no uh, question. Because you can you can tell them all the reasonings. You could show them the truth, but you know, the light shineth in darkness, but the darkness comprehendeth it not. That's a, man, that's a really deep uh observation because the light that was the point of my article and the little video you know, promoting it was to shine that light and say, guys, there are things you're not thinking about. And by promoting this, you're at the same time promoting that government that you rightly label as tyrannical. You're promoting fidelity to fascism in your children. And it's like, if I could get them to realize that, just... uh, Get that it's kind of like you know, if you go to someone and preach the gospel, my goal in preaching to you is to fulfill the great commission, right? Of the Lord, right? That you know, as our friend Tyler Childers says, fit me for the great commission, (laughs) right? That's what I do. I want to proclaim Christ and Him crucified and resurrected to you, but. If you accept him or not, that's your deal, and right. I'm fine either way. I'm going to love you the same. And so my thing is, conservatives, if you still, the day after you read the article, you want to have, you want to send little Sally in to pledge her fidelity to tyrants, and you want to have her subtly reinforce in her mind a, a, an adherence to principles that run counter to our founding principles— you know, if you're, you know, your lips draw nigh unto conservatism, but the Pledge of Allegiance is far from it. Yeah. That's fine if you want to do that. But the point is, I want you to at least acknowledge that this is, this, this evidence that I presented you is irrefutably sound. You may say the darkness comprehended it not, and that's very profound. But I would like to think that there'd be enough, you know, well-intentioned conservatives to say, you know what, I never knew that stuff. I don't, I don't doubt, I mean, there, there is an importance for um, sharing the truth as, as you see, you know, as it is uh, with as many people as you can. But I think it's important to remember uh, that we bind the testimony and seal the law, so to speak, amongst who? It's the disciples of Jesus. Meaning, it's not so much as, as we should expect everyone to and acknowledge or to um, see the things that we see, but we're out there to try to find people disciples, spiritually speaking, who can see the light and see the truth for what it is. I think that's the important expectation that we should have. And not everyone's going to believe in the truth, but you share it enough 
so that it reaches the disciples' ears. Okay, can I add one thing to what you're saying? And seal the law and binding the testimony. That That's a very significant meaning of it in and of itself. Yes. Go ahead, Mike. I, I, I want to look up something really quick. I was, you know, I think an, another aspect of this, which I think ties directly into what Connor's talking about, is, you know, if we look at this from um, a continuation that goes back to Christ of a, the, the, the setting the people free, the, the abolition movement that goes through the abolition of slavery, that is an extension and as conservatives, especially those who love Lincoln, <laughs> you know, um, if, 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 if you see yourself as an extension of, of that movement that was dedicated to setting people free, then the, the abolition or the acknowledgement of the illegitimacy of the state is an extension of that same abolition movement. That again, goes- see that, that if they acknowledge the illegitimacy of the state, that, that goes with it, a reframing of their entire religion, at least because I've come across people who are devout, conservatives and they attach with their political beliefs uh, that it is somehow attached to their being of God, the, the identity of, of godliness. And if they, if they acknowledge that the state is illegitimate, then. But that, but that, it has to start somewhere. In other words, there has right, to be kinks to in be, the armor. Right. You've I mean, got to find the kinks in the armor. Well, that's the difficulty is, is. But is what about that. the real politic consideration? The, the fact that this <clears throat> bill Passed the Arizona State right. House, thirty-one to twenty-nine. That means one guy. If we have one Republican in the Arizona House of Representatives that reads that article and says, "You know what? That's right." Do you realize you change the world? Right. You change the world because there might be now a generation of kids who do not have that forced upon them because. There are only two ways, force and consent. Yep. And if you look. See, and by the way, and that that is a problem. I mean, I mean, that is a huge problem that, that, that there would be an actual law forcing people. I mean, that's North Korea kind of stuff, honestly. And, and I hate to be the guy to be like, hey, like we, I understand that we're not living like we're living like in North Korea. I get that. But. It's that kind of force, Joey, where the the legislator is saying, you will comply. We're going to take your free agency away from you, and you will pledge allegiance to me. Because that's what basically they're saying. I am pledging allegiance to the elite class that will make these Yeah, the power that will make these decisions for me. And that is just, that's not biblical. That's not Book of Mormon or that's not under God. So... Well, but yeah, by the and way, even that was added, later, right? That was added later. <laughs> that, that's like, a, that's like, an, we don't care about that's that. like an afterthought <laughs> at best. It was Republicans, right? Right. Republicans wanting to do, but the fact that they thought to aggregate something to the bloody pledge of allegiance right? in the fifties, that's already showing that within 50 years, it had become a sacrament to the conservatives. Oh, Who's the, who's the, and I know you know what I'm talking about, the famous, I think he was a comedian. Red Skelton. Red Skelton, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Who does that, 
you know, beautifully read where everyone's in tears. And, and, and by the way, everything he says that half the things that he says isn't even in the pledge and is a hundred percent wrong, you know? And, and it, it, but it's very nostalgic. It's very, there's nothing more powerful than nostalgia, by the way, there's just, that's just a powerful tool that. Well, but doesn't it come down? And this is the thing that I've discovered. Well, there's two points. First, it comes down to the fact that Americans nearly universally, I mean, with such rare exception, it's un, it, it's, it's worthless to discuss it, are surrendering their children to the government to be taught that they do not know what they're being taught. They do not know who's doing the teaching, right? And they don't give a damn. They don't care. I, I just had a, I was with a student today. Because guess what? Mommy needs time for her side hustle. That's right. Right? Mommy needs her nap. Mommy Maybe needs it's time. the false traditions we mentioned earlier. I think it's beyond that. I don't think it's false traditions. I think it's sin. Well, I mean. I think it's flat out. I want my time. I, I had a. Oh, it's I, selfish. I, I, I do not want to. I do not want to take on the responsibility of freedom. I, Think of the there's a bloody Christmas song. <laughs> right, exactly. There is a bloody Christmas song that says, "Mom and Dad can can't wait for school to start again." Right. right. Why? Because mommy and daddy need a break. Right. Then mommy and daddy shouldn't be mommy and daddy. Right. You don't buy a car. Yeah. And then drive it to a stranger and say, "Hey, fill it up with whatever you want to fill it up." And with. then and then pre- well and then pretend like you can fix. You know, fix right. the school system through like some board. I'm gonna or, or I mean, the, right. do some board that agrees ninety nine who all of whom send their kids to the same indoctrination right. camp. Also, like I've told you before, maybe you too, Connor, about my friend that you know, I asked him, you know, because he this is back when I was doing videos a lot and being more, I guess, visible. And he's like, Oh, I saw your video and and he's like, I send my kids to school and I hate the things they're learning. I'm like, then why do you do it? And he's like, well, when they come home, I deprogram them. No, you don't. I tell you what you do, sir. You bring them home. You maybe see them for 30 minutes. You tell them, do your homework, which makes them nothing more than indentured servants to their teachers. Mm -hmm. Do your homework. So you've got eight hours of school, what, two, three hours of homework. And then what? Then what? Then you've got (laughs) lying in bed, looking at a screen. You don't know what's on the screen. Yep. And frankly, you don't care. You will give lip service to caring because you know you should care. But if I asked you, tell me the last 10 sites your child visited, there's no way you could do it. Right. But a little tear would come down your face when I asked if they pledge, they pledge allegiance every morning. That, and yeah, that's. How are we going to undo it? This is the, well, the question to Daniel Webster, the discussion, you know, you know, it, get us it, back. What, what, how do we undo it? So I was just listening today. Um, uh, John Gatto. Oh yeah. yeah. So, you know, a really famous educator, mm-hmm. totally anti-public mm-hmm. yeah. school, yeah. you know, and, and, but he, but his point is, and, and, I'll, and I want to get to like, how do we do it? But I think it's important. Part of the thing is just like, it's important for people to know the history of, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, the history of what the public school system is, is really an important thing that, that we're all, you know, we're all Prussians now. 
Well, right. You know, America, Prussia again. It's simply to make good soldiers and good factory workers to make things that will perpetuate war. Right. And to make the state great. I mean, they admitted they wanted to reduce the influence of Christianity. Yep. You have to. You the the most subversive thing ever in the universe is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those who believe that are sticking their thumb in the face of any tyrant who says, you know, my will, because it is Christ's will, and he overcame that tyrant. If we're talking about, well, maybe the solution, well, our audience are obviously people who are Christians. Who are our audience? <laughs> Whoever listens well, to we're this. Nameless we're throngs <laughs> in the ether. We're speaking as if we're talking to yes. fellow Christians. Mm-hmm. And maybe we need to reframe as best we can that concept. Maybe make them un- help them understand that if they believe in the divinity of Christ, then it, that means that it by definition, you must be an enemy to tyrants and maybe understanding what a tyrant is maybe we and isn't. Somehow make more widely available your writings on this subject, Connor, because you you are a very clear and persuasive writer. And, and I think... I mean, I've been thinking, we've been trying to fix Babylon, right? What is that scripture in Jeremiah... We've done, I mean, it reminds me of another scripture too. You know, that great abomination is is bundled up so tightly no man can undo it, right? Maybe we're trying to undo that terrible knot of power and authority and that institution which is rooted in every corner of the earth. Yeah, there you know, you might have you might be onto something because I've actually suggested in other venues and other appearances that who cares what they do? You know, get thee out of Babylon, touch thee not the unclean thing. The education system is unclean and forever will be. be and those who support it are are supporters of Babylon, and we are commanded to not have conversation with those people. We are commanded to not have intercourse, meaning conversation, you know, relationships with those people. Maybe it's an it's a, a time now that we just say we tried. Those of you who are convinced were convinced. Those of you who weren't. Jesus will be back, and he will set us all straight. Maybe we were right. Maybe you were right. We'll find out very shortly, and we'll find out for good, yeah. literally for good. I think, And so it's like, you want to stay in Babylon? You want to send your kids to Babylon to school? Knock yourself but that out. That does not discredit the responsibility for us and every Christian to, if we believe these things are true, which we do, in fact, I know these things are true. 
then that obligates us to try our best to bring as many people as we can. Yeah, I just sure. think there comes a time when the the gathering is done. Well, the, right, but that's not that's not for us to right. say. I, I you know there's that great the the great you know um, prayer that Christ gave that N.T. Wright points out: mm-hmm. "Thy kingdom come." We're not supposed to go to God's right. kingdom. We don't we're go su- to heaven. Heaven comes to us. Heaven, heaven, we're supposed to make a place for N. heaven T. to come N. to T. us. N.T. Wright, shout out to N.T. Wright. Amen. If you haven't read N.T. Wright, <laughs> get yourself correct because yeah. that man, he's an Anglican prelate, but he is filled with uh, the spirit and filled wisdom. with correct wisdom. Yeah, yeah. And, and that idea that like our it's our role to bring the kingdom here um, in the in, – the best way that we know how and and the number one part of being the kingdom is realizing who's the king and if we um if we can be an example it's kind of similar like what 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 should what should an ideal world should america's uh, role be in any european war well america's role should be a beacon of light of freedom so that people in europe look at us and say we, I want to be like that. We should not be sending our the soldiers over there. John Quincy Adams. That's right. To destroy. We should, we should just be that beacon I'm of cheer light. I'm going to you on, but I'm not going to send any of our blood and treasure to yep. secure your liberty. And in the same way, you know, if we don't stand for the, for the, if we, you know, um, do not, and our children do not stand for the, for the pledge of allegiance. People are going to ask questions, and we will become a peculiar people. And it's to be important to know why we're not standing. And that's something that I've also mentioned, and that I believe so strongly. And I obviously, you, you know, that's one of the things people don't know. Maybe you don't, you know, promote yourself, but you walk the walk, man. You have kids. You walk the walk. You really do live the life that you believe and that you preach. Right. I you're, try. You're not a hypocrite. Right. Well, we all try. Right. You're not a hypocrite. <laughs> I appreciate you're that. You're not I'm... sitting here saying, we should homeschool. We shouldn't say the pledge. We should read the best books. We should follow Christ. And then going home and sitting, here, you know, you guys ready for school? You know, not doing that. <laughs> right. You know, and so you, you have the authority of a true believer and someone who has the added authority of someone who is. Uh, consistent. It's the word integrity from the Latin, right? You have integrity. That which you believe and that which you do are one, are integral, right? That's that's a big deal. And so Appreciate your word, that, people, yeah, and you have, you know, the And If Love Remains podcast that is, I mean, you should be more famous than Joe Rogan <laughs> because there's never any rubbish with you, you know, but the point I'm making is, you know, we have Mike, who is a dad and who is a husband and who is a Christian and who tries to carry on day in, day out, a walk with Christ. You know, yes, insufficient and not perfect by any means. By his grace. That's right, right man. Amen. Right, right. By his grace. Um, and then you have Connor, someone who's, how old are you, Connor? 22, 23, who has written. What an old man. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> at, at 23 years old, you know, it reminds me of like, what's his name? Uh, Cesare Beccaria, who wrote 
on crimes and punishments age 26 and never wrote anything else. <laughs> right. Why would you <laughs> go out on top, Cesare? <laughs> you know? And so it's like Connor has written a few things, uh, a couple of things. And is the, is it, the latest one is the one about, what, what did you call it? On Power and Authority. On Power and Authority. It's powerful. Like it's persuasive to Jeffersonian degrees. Wow. And what I'm trying to say is these aren't just talking heads. These aren't just people with opinions. You know, these are people with the bona fides to back up. Well, and, and, you know, I, I, and I'm not saying this just to pass the compliment on, but I mean, you're definitely in that same boat of a guy who has been preaching this from, you know, as long as I've ever known you and much longer than that, who has written countless articles, who has written books and persuaded many, many hundreds, if not thousands of people in the ways of freedom and your legacy, my friend is, I know is deeper than, you know, than, than any of us will know, but, but it, what, there will be grandchildren that say that won't understand that their that the gift that they received from their mothers and their grandmothers is because of you. Well, that's inshallah. But, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I being, I just get tongue tied. It's what one of my students, Victoria used to say, if we want to shut you up, all we have to do is compliment you <laughs> because I do have that Quaker streak in me. That's a mile wide. And I don't like, I don't, I don't like well, it. Just, just know that's, that's the I, feeling here, brother. I believe you, brother. I really believe <laughs> you. And I'm grateful for that. And you know, it wouldn't, I don't care if anyone ever knew my name. That seems so silly and selfish and conceited. But if, you know, if there were people that, because I, well, I'll tell you, frankly, you know, when you say things, and it's been a couple of times lately, you and our our mutual friend, Alan Joaquim, he, he told me, you know, he's like, everything I believe about the Constitution, about this country, about liberty, I learned from you. And, you know, you've said that about things. And I'm like, right. I, that's a great thing, but of course... He who has not the spirit shall not teach. I, you know, give as did our savior emulating him. I give all credit to that, to our heavenly father. I, I do nothing save I saw my father do it. And, you know, I have a belief that these things are timeless and true. And that we, as you know, it becomes every man who's been warned to warn his neighbor and I, I want that. That's the essence of everything, you know, because people will say, oh, why aren't you more famous? And why? Because I don't care about and people who are famous care about being famous. Right. And I care about restoring liberty because when, you know, if you can take a child and you can convince him that of the true principles of liberty, of the timelessness of the holiness of them. And that child grows up and has a child. Well, that child, the, the, the child of your student will be raised from the cradle to believe these things. And you will have that generation, right? Like yeah. Sydney talks about that's that generation who's hid and unregarded. Nobody knows their names. Nobody knows your kids' names. Your kids aren't famous, right? right? But 
your children are going to have children who pull down the tyrant's playhouse. There's that two quick points, maybe not that quick, but I'll try. Um, one is it reminds me so much of the end of that hideous strength. When um, the, the, the group at St. Anne, when everything is done and God has done his will and the town is pulled down and, um, and, and, and it's time for a new growth again. Um, and the people of St. Anne who have had this major victory um, look at each other and they say, well, we didn't do much but like grow vegetables and wander around the, the town. And the, um, and the pen dragon says, you did what was required. You did what God asked you to do. And you did, you did exactly what you needed to do. And, you know, this is us growing vegetables and wandering around the village a little bit, you know? Um, Absolutely. So, so that, but it's, it's, it's critical that everyone discover yeah. the gifts God has given him so that each of us can contribute in the way that best builds Zion, that best builds a society of men who are committed to the principles of liberty and the principles of, of Christian and, um, of Christian living. And, and Zion is an important word, I think. Um, and that goes back to my second point, which is, you know, it's an interesting take on why there's so much written in the New Testament about the trial of Christ. You know, why, why do we know so much about it? Like what was said, what, what he said. And there's this really interesting exchange that we all know of, but it kind of applies to this Pledge of Allegiance thing where he's standing before Caesar and, and he says in Caesar's or between a, a pilot and says, you know, is, is, you know, are you a king? And, and Christ says, my kingdom is not of this world, you know? And I think we need to be the um, legacy of that, that our kingdom, thy kingdom come. It is not of this world. Our, you know, Christ is King. And he set that example from the very beginning. He played, he paid no tribute render under Caesar's. That was, which is Caesar's. That's such an important point, Mike. (laughs) You know, he never, he never paid tribute to the Jewish establishment. He never paid taxes to Rome. What did he say when Peter said, Hey, how do we go look at a fish and get out of his mouth? That's That's how much disdain he had. That's right. The, he, I don't know, pay it. I don't care. Christ never, ever bowed to neither the Roman authority. He cleansed the the temple. Nor the Jewish (laughs) authority. Yep. He, why was he quiet at his trial? Because it was illegitimate and he was not going to legitimize it by his participation. But know you not that I can crucify thee. Okay. (laughs) You, you, you know, you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. Right. And that's the thing, guys. I mean, I want to look at this. I love obviously talking about principle and talking about the 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 meaning of these things, but the real politic. I come back to that. We only need to convince one Republican. That's right. Well, right? and so one way, like 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 I said, I mean, it wasn't long ago. I was that one Republican, and me, and, me. and you, and right? so was I. Right. And- I I voted for George H. W. Bush, for George W. Bush. I, I was a good little Republican. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so you're right. Like it's, it's one heart, one soul. And, and I think we have opportunities if we're, if we take it, 
Um, if we, you know, with the pandemic, you know, no, I think, I think two opportunities right now are very clear, you know, exercise the idea of, of, of how illegitimate the government was when it came to the pandemic. It was absolutely insane, the role that they played. And pointing that out over and over again, I think is an important thing to do because it reminds people that they were stuck in their homes, that their kids now have mental illness, that they that that the suicide rate is up. All these terrible things happen because of the government, because of a, a government that that seized control with no authority. Okay, I wanted to look really quickly. Yeah, because the House already passed it. So for me to say, but the Arizona Senate, which is about to take up this bill, thirty senators split sixteen fourteen. So if this bill passes along party lines, it will pass 16 to 14 14. and will go to the governor. Maybe there's a blessing for Governor Hobbs that we have Governor Hobbs right now. I don't think she would take that stance, right? I don't think think she would. She would veto veto it. it? No, no, I don't think she would. She fancies herself independent and non postpartisan. I I mean, here's where I would like, okay, maybe, maybe there's a reason why God put Hobbs. But I mean, I'm saying. Like I, okay, so the president of the Senate is Warren Peterson. Yeah. I know, I I know know him personally, you know him, Connor, you know him. Could we not, you know, one Senator blocks that and say, Warren, man, I know you're a good guy. I know you are a friend of Liberty. I just want, just please read this. Yeah. Just please. Cause so now Thinking of this, it I think, just came into my head. It was like, contact Warren. So I'm going to email uh, Warren and say, Warren, this is an article I wrote about this bill you are fixing to vote on. Because I think they're voting on it tomorrow. You know what? I'm going to look that up. I'll send it to him. I'm Facebook friends with him. I'll definitely send I am that too. up to him. Yeah. Well, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Dang it. But I can send him, a, I can send him an email. Yeah, and I'll send it to him on Facebook. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get it to him. And just say, brother, look, I this is not me trying to be... Uh, an activist. Right. Right. This is me trying to offer you an opportunity to genuinely be a leader. Right. You're the president of the Senate. Preside. Preside by saying, you know what, guys? Because even if he votes in favor of it, we will know that he knew better. Yeah. And saying that to him, say, Warren, you might still vote in favor because you might feel political pressure to do so. But at that moment that you, that I look at the vote and I see you, I'll go down to the bloody chamber to watch them vote. The moment I see you hit that green button, I'll know that you know you did something wrong. Right. Because there's no, there, as, as, as rose-colored glasses as, that, as it seems, there is no justification for a bill like that. Zero. No. There's zero it's, justification. It's yeah. It's we love America more than you do. Exactly. Let's. And we're going to, and we're going to force everybody else to love them, whether they like it or not. Right. Exa- <laughs> well, didn't, wasn't that the devil's plan? Forced charity. Yep. It's like that quotation that Ezra Taft Benson, people get down here and they forget how they voted in the war in heaven. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> In heaven, you voted. Jesus is like, I'm going to lose some of y'all, but 
those of you who get back here, you definitely deserved it because you chose. You exercised your agency righteously and you chose to live this life. Those of you who are lost, you'll be lost because you used your agency contrary-wise. But you have Satan, who in the Bible makes it clear, I won't lose any of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, isn't that what this is? Say the Pledge of Allegiance. And you'll be, is it good to be patriotic? Yes. Say the Pledge of Allegiance and you'll be patriotic. So I'm going to make you say the Pledge of Allegiance because it leads to patriotism. Right. Uh, that is 100% at the heel point to of toe gun, satanic. At the point of a gun, I am going to make your child... An idea so good I had to force you to do it. Right. Yeah. Right? An idea so good I had to force you to do it. And I think that the position that we're in of being actual friends, personal friends with Warren, and him being the president of the Arizona Senate, that in days will take up this matter. Yeah. That's... And say, brother, you know, what sayest thou? Mm-hmm. Choose ye this day, but mark, like Cicero said, mark every man in his brow how he feels about this republic, because the day is going to come where we have to separate me from thee, right? You know? And you voting for this, knowing that you're voting for something written by a socialist for the simple purpose of increasing the income of a socialist organization. espousing principles contrary to those held dear by our founding fathers. You do that, then you are knowingly behaving satanically. Yeah. I think, um, I think that that case has got to be made. Um, And it is interesting that, the three of us are in kind of a unique position. I want to see. Let's see. I'm going to look up real quick. Y'all, y'all talk about. I wonder. I w- yeah, and I'm also now. I'm going now. I need to look up and see who our state senator representative is. <laughs> you know, who and, your particular yeah. senator is? Because because I, I guarantee you where I live, it's going to be a uh, um, Republican. So let's see. You know, passed the House on the 21st. It is yeah, just. Uh, so it was assigned to the Senate Education Committee and the Rules Committee. It was read today for the second time, so it had to be three readings. So I'm sure they'll accomplish the third reading tomorrow. And then I imagine it will go for a vote in the next couple of days to the whole Senate. It'll go to a vote in the next couple of days. So, And then at that point, you know, so, yeah, I would say right now we're looking at the it's it says pending action right now is the Senate Ed Committee. Well, so just time to read to Pahorn, I guess. <laughs> oh, well There's a deep cut for I, I, many. Yeah, that is a deep cut. You know what? I'll tell you about a deep cut on another subject. Just funny. And I should send it to you guys because I no one gets it. Years and years ago, I think it was two thousand and one, maybe. I wrote this, these things that I thought would be funny t-shirts and bumper stickers. And one of them was, don't blame me. I voted for Pecumini. <laughs> and I showed these to, you know, members of the church and they're just like, I don't get it. You know, like it was something like, Curalom tastes like chicken. 
you know, it was um, <laughs> Alma the Younger, like gone but not forgotten or something. You know, just <laughs> all of these things that were like really, I didn't think they were deep cuts until my cousin, she read them and she's like, dude, they're deep cuts. And I'm like, <laughs> nah, I don't think so. But I should send them to you to see what you think. Because I'm like, literally no one thinks they're funny but me. <laughs> and I read them and I'm like, Dude, Kirillam tastes like chicken. That's hilarious. Don't blame me. I voted for Pecumini. That's a deep cut, dude. That is a deep cut. That's that's too deep for me. I got. I'm gonna have to look that up now. But I'm just saying, just about <laughs> when you said that. Uh, let me make sure an email pour. <laughs> that's good. Stuff. Well, I'm, I've written him in the past, and he says I. Well, brother Peter, Senator I, Peterson. I've written to uh, yeah, Senator Peterson. Yeah, he doesn't like my stuff either. Although he's respectful, generally, yeah, he, he, he he's is, respectful. So. And I think in this case, it's one of those things like you and I both know this is political theater, mm -hmm. right? Because how, what percentage of those kids are doing that anyway? Right. 90, right? 90% of those kids are doing it anyway. But, which makes this an easy. It's a layup. It, yeah. But it's also a layup to say, to take a stand, like. It, you would think, you know, it's not a, but it's such a sacrament that I'm sure Warren is like, this ain't the hill I'm dying on. I'm, I, you're probably right, but man, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it seems so silly, like, because the consequence, because the consequences are this, it's, you know, and, and the slippery slope argument is used so often but it's only because it's true. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it, if, if you're going to allow, um, or if you're going to force kids to do one thing, I guess we, we forced them to wear a mask. I guess we forced them to, you know, it, it's just, I'm, I'm now I'm out of words about this. this, is, this there is, is just, nothing wow. of consent in the system at all. None. You, well, well, when a bell I mean, rings, you sit. When a bell rings, you rise. When a bell rings, you sit with strangers. When a, you do what that teacher says, it's like that Adam Smith thing. Right. The system was created for the benefit and ease of the teachers and the administration, not for the students. At all. I mean, that's Adam Smith in 1776 saying that. For those of you conservatives out there, I love Adam Smith and Wealth of Nations. It's one of my favorite books. You've never read it. <laughs> Cop to the fact you've never read it. Because that's Second, in there. <laughs> yeah. Second, go look up that that I just said, that the entire system of education exists for the benefit. And it's, he says in there, even if the teacher, I'm paraphrasing, but even if the teacher is rubbish, the students are forced to respect them. Don't talk back to me. Why? What you just said is completely ridiculous. I have authority over you. Oh, well, okay then. My bad. <laughs> My bad. Carry on. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's why, you know, um, for as much as I, uh, you know, disagree with, with Prager on many things, it's pretty funny. I think the one thing he has got right is the, um, um, the, the kids that get the most out of college are the ones that went through college drunk. No, that's deep. That, that's a, that's deep and true. Yeah. But you know, yes, I mean, that's anybody that goes to college. What? Okay, man. I mean, <clears throat> I guess it's like it was at the time of the founding. If you want to go to college to be a, a lawyer or a doctor or a, a preacher, 
of some sort that requires, you know, a four. Knock yourself out. Well, the but time of many, founding, they didn't require how, it. Well, no, but I'm saying if yeah. you went to university, you didn't just go to university because you were 18. Right. You know, you went to university because you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a preacher, right? That's why you went to university. Today, it's like you just go to college because you're 18. <laughs> you know, your parents dropped you off there, basically. You know, it's true. If you don't, then you don't get a job. Yeah, if you haven't, if you if you haven't complied with the rules that that we've laid out <laughs> for you, the track that we have laid out so clearly from I'm kindergarten. That Adam Smith quote because it's so powerful. And you know, because it is interesting, like like. And, and we are seeing more and more people into their 40s and 50s that are still in college getting, you know, master's degrees, getting, you know, even undergraduate degrees. And, and you know, God bless them. They're learning. Really? Whatever. God bless them? Well, you know, they, they think they're improving their lives. So I hope they improve their lives. And, and honestly, it's better for... Um, somebody who's lived a life and, and can hopefully see through some of the rubbish in college than an 18 year old kid that hasn't lived and is, you know, basically it, it's being force fed to them. Either way, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal that, that, that so many um, jobs require a four, an additional four to eight years of indoctrination. Um, it's a bad deal. And, and it's, and but often it's required of, because of federal regulation. It's very true. Insurance and li- occupational licensing, right? Nothing like, no, nothing like per- getting permission from the government to pursue your happiness, right? Right. So here's Adam Smith from The Wealth of Nations, you know, the book all you conservatives have read back and forth. The discipline of college is now college he would refer to as high school. The discipline of colleges and universities is in general contrived, not for the benefit of the students, but for the interest, or more properly speaking, for the ease of the teachers. Its object is in all cases to maintain the authority of the master, and whether he neglects or performs his duty, to oblige the student in all cases to behave to him as if he had performed it with the greatest diligence and ability. It seems to presume perfect wisdom and virtue in the one order, teachers, and the greatest weakness and folly in the other. Where the masters, however, really perform their duty, there are no examples, I believe, that the greater part of the students ever neglect theirs. You wonder why we have such terrible student bodies? Look at the teachers. I mean, think of what he just said, where the masters really perform that, where the teachers really do what they're supposed to do, the students will not neglect to do what they're supposed to do. And here's the phrase that pays. No discipline is ever requisite to force attendance upon lectures which are really worth attending. If that school was doing anything worthwhile, kids would beg to go parents would have nothing bad to say kids would beg to stay in school and i've seen it and this isn't self-serving but i've seen that time in class where the kids are like no i just want to stay right we had an hour and a half class in heritage and there were times the kids were like no let's just stay and keep yeah, going i did that 
lots of <laughs> lots of them were like, let's just stay and keep going. Right. And that had, and I'm not attributing that. that to me. <laughs> I'm attributing that to the material. Well, here's, but here's the thing. And, and, and we are like, what makes humans great? One of the things that makes humans great is our ability to adapt and learn. Oh, I was going to say Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> No. And <laughs> the well, see there you I go. Just, <laughs> Abrahamus Maximus, if you dare blaspheme his name. <laughs> but um we uh um but, He's uh, but a great emancipator. <laughs> he freed the bloody slaves, Mike, you neo Confederate. <laughs> Just call me John Brown. Oh, worse. <laughs> right? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, pray. it's okay. I interrupt. I came not to bury Lincoln, but to praise him. <laughs> it's Shakespeare. It's Shakespeare. But Caesar, not Lincoln. But little difference. Both of go. them murdered a lot of people. <laughs> They both cross, you know, that some Rubicon, boundary, right? <laughs> that Rubicon was like, <laughs> <laughs> they think about, dude, Caesar and Lincoln. Yeah, I was reading um, Thomas Gordon's translation or commentaries oh, on Sallust, yeah. and it's like, oh, wasn't this the civil, this quote unquote civil war? Oh, read Lucan. <laughs> read Lucan, the Roman historian Lucan on the Roman Civil War, and you're like, that's the thing. And that's why I'm saying these kids would get excited. Not because of me. who I'm, right. no, I'm literally nobody. But the material that they've never been exposed to, it's like, dude, this is so amazing. Right. But you ain't going to read Lucan in high school unless you're my student. <laughs> well, as Steven said, you know, it's not often we, the only right. place where Sydney is heard is in Joey Wolverton's no, class. No one's ever heard of Sydney unless they heard it from Wolverton. <laughs> Which is a sad truth. Well, you know what? I thought about this the other night when it was Richard Price's birthday. It was his 300th birthday. And I bet I was the only person on earth other than maybe his descendants who took note. But he is. You're is giving my, his descendants a lot of credit, like they know who they are. Well, I would hope, but it's my. That's true. Be, you know. Anyway, I'll leave that story out. <laughs> that's true. But Richard Price, he's he yet lives because of the resurrection of our Savior. He yet lives, and there's somewhere I guarantee you he was like, "Thank you, man." You know. Okay, he, so he I did a lot. I plan on putting this out, so I want you to give the a five quick two minute summary of Price. And why we should know who he is. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I just actually, I will just say if you go to the New American. Okay. And look and just. I'll put a link in the description. Right. And my, my name, there's an article out there Happy birthday, Richard Price. And then the title I gave it was Wait, Who? <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, what, they said Richard Branson. Sorry. Richard Branson. <laughs> Richard Price. This guy was, first of all, he was. A Welsh preacher, a dissenter, which right there, I already love him. He's a dissenter. I already love him. But uh, he was a guy that 
he was so influential, so revered and respected and admired by our founding fathers. They offered him citizenship. They offered him a farm and a salary to come and live in him. And he demurred saying, I need to stay and work on the liberty of my own country. But he was a personal friend of John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Richard Henry Lee, a personal friend of these guys. And I'm telling you, he was one of those ones every year when I would teach the Founders Recipe that everybody loved because he's very plain in his language. He One of, the, one of our famous or infamous, if you ask the Heritage uh, Administration, <laughs> infamous um, uh, factious and discontented T-shirts yeah. had a quotation from Richard Price, which was, knowledge without virtue makes clever devils. Right. If you're smart without being virtuous, Uh-oh. you're just a devil. Yeah, I think you just described Chat GPT there. Right. Well, <laughs> but so Richard Price, he said that he said to to enlighten a people is to elevate them. That's good stuff. You know, I'm just telling you, read the quotations that I put in that article. But this is a guy who, if you this, and he's talking in 1784 about the state of education in Britain. And you're like, 1784? They're there to do nothing but make their minds narrow, to infect them with wicked prejudices that will keep them from being able to believe the truth when it's taught to them. Yeah, if you don't know Richard Price right now, go look up my article, thenewamerican.com, and just Google Joe Wolverton, Richard Price. It ain't like you're going to have a bunch of articles on Richard Price. <laughs> but Google that, read my article on Richard Price, and then go to the online library of liberty and read for yourself Richard Price's sermons. He is a man among men who rightly was so often quoted by our founding fathers. And would have preached against the pledge of the the pledge of allegiance 100%. Oh, Richard, are you kidding? Me? Read his section on patriotism because he talks about what does the he has a whole sermon on on the love of our country. Now he's talking about his country being England. Read it. On the love of our country. I I, I told you I think I told you the story. Uh one of my students, she she had Richard Price. Her name was Victoria. What's up Victoria, little buddy? She had Richard Price, and I would ask them to have a debate on something they read, and that the the student would lead the debate. I would just sit back and and you know enjoy it. And her question was, "Is it can you be too patriotic?" So we would do Oxford style and say, "Okay, how many of y'all right now would vote? It's possible to be too patriotic." You know, you'd have lots of people mm-hmm. at the end. How many of y'all think it's possible? Nobody, because you learn from Richard Price what patriotism really is. Dude, Richard Price, I seriously can't get enough of that guy. He's he's up there with Sidney, Trenchard, and Gordon. Yeah. He's up there with those guys for sure. And just a, a humble Welsh preacher who, again, endowed by our creator with a great gift and one that if things were like they were, his name would still be taught to children. Today. You know, there, there are people... And Richard Price being one, um, I mean, the, the people that you talk about, especially in your founder's class, um, 
that just have a unique vision to see clearly like like to to um distill it right down to what the problem is or what um you know what liberty is and why it's important and what are the steps that are going to take that liberty away you know they, they saw it so clearly and and why did they see it clearly because they studied history yeah and they knew of the value of virtue i mean Saying knowledge about virtue makes devils. That's a that's a powerful thing, man. I'm, I'm going to pull up some Richard Price out of the Founders Recipe book. Not, not to be again. That's not self serving. It's just that's the way I'm most easy. I'll, I, hey, I, I won't be self serving. I'll just say go buy his book. Go to Amazon, get the book. It's awesome, and you'll have your education will be all the greater for it. But just to read from his word, because I don't. I mean, yes, I have accurately quoted some of it but I, I i think to have his precise words is important particularly given the fact that it was just his birthday so um well the the little call out quote that i use the so-called commonplace book quote our gratitude if genuine will be accompanied with endeavors to give stability to the deliverance our country has obtained so if you really are grateful for our founding fathers, then you're going to have you're going to demonstrate endeavors to give stability to that which they gave us. And the Pledge of Allegiance undermines what they gave us. So uh, education will cause future generations to grow up virtuous and happy and accelerate human improvement to a greater degree than can be at present imagined. The purpose of education is to direct the powers of the mind in unfolding themselves and to assist them in gaining their just bent and force. And in order to do this, its business should be to teach how to think rather than what to think. But hitherto, now this is in 1784, education has been conducted on a contrary plan. It has been a contraction, not an enlargement of their intellectual capacity, it has been an injection of false principles, hardening them in error, not a discipline enlightening and improving them. Instead of opening and strengthening the students and teaching them to think freely, it has cramped and enslaved them and qualified them for thinking only in one track. Instead of instilling humility, charity, and liberality, and thus preparing them for an easier discovery and a readier admission of truth. So is that how you... <laughs> it has inflated them with conceit and stuffed their minds with wretched prejudices. Well, there's the how. A love of virtue and charity and humility. Liberality. Do, do what you want to hmm. do. What teaches those things? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. But I don't even care if that, I mean, it doesn't have to be any good truth can teach that. Right. Bring all truth into Zion and let it be encompassed in one great whole, you know, and that, that's 1784. You know, that was the thing. I remember there was a student, you know, you always have, I didn't have many. I had maybe two or three of those students that wanted to be the 
the the one that hated me. Okay. You know, and that's fine. I, I you know, I didn't. It wasn't my plan to be beloved. <laughs> but you would have this, and this one student. He said to me, "You just want everyone to think like you," and I'm like, "No, I just want everyone to think." Right. I don't want you to think like me. I just don't want you to regurgitate what you've heard. You know, because he was complaining that we had some debate in class and everybody was siding with me. And I'm like, if you think contrary wise, tell us, defend it, persuade people. Right. No, you just want everybody to think like you. I really don't. Uh, if you could persuade someone to agree with you and disagree with me, that'd be fine with me. <laughs> you know, but that doesn't happen. And, but you see there, cramp, doesn't the Pledge of Allegiance cramp them? Make them think in only one track. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, yes, by design. By the very design, it was meant to subtly indoctrinate school children into the belief in socialism. And if you take it one step farther, look at how people will react to those who will not comply or who will react negatively against it and how that directly affects people's virtue. Yeah. I mean, how would, you know, because if this bill passes into law, then a, a child who genuinely feels compunction at repeating some socialist screed, uh, being forced to do so, by the government, that child will be in danger of the council, as our Savior would have said. Yeah. You know, you will literally be in danger of the council, meaning you will be officialdom will punish you in some way. I mean, that's like, that's, that's just the truth of it. If this becomes the law, giant air quotes around that, because it's tyranny no matter how you slice it. But people right. will call it the law because they don't think that the word fancy is Fancy the word. Yeah, they do. It, it makes them feel good. Oh, it's a law. Ooh, it's right. the law. That sounds fun. It was passed. Law sounds, that sounds fancy. It came from a bill on and Capitol valid. Hill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, if it becomes the law, then kids who are open-minded, who are taught to think, you know, how to think, who aren't cramped and enslaved, who don't have their heads stuffed with wretched prejudices, will be held accountable. I, there's a real, um, how do I say this? There, there's a real issue with people think that they've got it all figured out already. That's in that, you know, you're talking about the Thomas Gordon. Was it, it was Thomas Gordon's. Or was it John Trenchard? Thomas Gordon. The essays on Sallust. Oh, yeah, that was Thomas Gordon. Yeah, Gordon. Essays on Sallust. That's something he mentioned in one of his, at the beginning of one of his essays. He says, people are just, they're so defensive of what they've been taught. Right. It, was it you that we were just talking about I the other day? I think it's because of the, the character, you know. The first thing that you learned. What teaches them. Well, they also. just, yeah, they become so, this is what I was taught, and if I was taught it, it must be true, right? Because no way my parents would ever 
submit me to be taught right. lies. And 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 they trust the source. Right. And because of the traditions of men, you know, the um it is assumed you send your kid to school and, and they will be treated and taught in the ways that they need to be taught. Like it's the professionals that are doing it. And um um and so my point is um it would take, and I know they're out there. So like, this isn't a defeatist point of view, but it is, I think a reality that it is a rare student who will go to a school. It would take a rebellious heart, which we need a little bit more of for a student to say, I don't know about, you know, I feel weird about this, this, uh, you know, uh, um, stating my allegiance to with my hand on my salute. <laughs> right. I mean, do you even know the history of the salute of the flag? I don't. With the Pledge of Well, Google it. Originally, it was known as the Roman salute, which Uh-oh. became the Nazi salute. So you take, you look at photos from the 20s and the early 30s of kids in classrooms doing the Pledge of Allegiance. They're doing what we would call the Nazi salute, what they called the Roman salute. And then it was like, well, we can't do that because the Nazis do it. So let's put your hand on your heart. At the beginning, it was that. I mean, I think if we had more pictures of that, maybe people would say, yeah, that's because Nazi is a word that has a bad taste in everybody's yeah. mouth. Rightly so. Don't at me. Rightly so. Nazi has a bad taste. But if we showed, you know, kids doing the Roman salute <laughs> to, the, well, to the American national flag. socialism. Don't. <laughs> you know, everybody likes to focus on the socialism part. Not on the nationalism part of that. Right. I remember teaching that in school when I taught World War II and people's eyes just like, what? (laughs) I'm like, all I'm saying is. Yeah. Well, and and that's the, you know, that again, that's why I love the love. And again, I'm going to go to big principle because that's what I got. You know, that's that's where I, that's where I have to go. And that's the. Um, you know, I love the gospels because it's such a subversion. It's such a, yeah, here's the, here's, here's the, the great, and, and, and T. Wright talks about this again. Here's the great Caesar out there conquering the land. And here's the new Caesar. And these are all the great things that Caesar's going to do for you. And then here comes Luke, you know, there was a babe in Bethlehem and he conquered the world. And that's exactly right. And that. If only we had more people and, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be necessarily the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, much less the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. But just the principle of what does it mean to be educated? What does educate? What does that mean in Latin? Nobody knows. You ask an educator, what does educate mean? What, (laughs) what's its Latin root? It means to lead from, to lead out of the darkness into the light, to walk you up to step out Mount of Parnassus, cave. to walk up Mount Parnassus, right? Yeah. So you can go to the oracle, so you can see things differently than the people down in the valley. But Cicero has a really good thing where he's like, yeah, but you start climbing and it gets kind of hard and you're going to have these sirens, these people who tell you, Oh, you've climbed far enough. He said they will seduce you. The word he uses, seduce, which means what? 
to lead away. Yeah. Say Ducare, right? As opposed to a Ducare, say du- to lead you away. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's so good. Yeah. And you can Educate. make comparisons with that with, with uh, you're going to climb that hill and then look about you and see the glory of the world. Don't, don't you look at my kingdom. <laughs> right. Don't you want it? Right? Isn't this what you want? Or you've climbed high enough, man. Come on. You, what are you gonna, what, what's a little bit, a little few extra feet going to matter? By the way, that is so powerful. I'm to sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm totally stuck on that for a minute because the idea that those two words like are, are, um, yeah, seduce are is the literally same, the Latin the opposite. opposite of educate. That's just beautiful, man. That's just, man, you learn something new every day. That's, <laughs> you, you ought to, right? You ought to learn. I mean, that's, people are like, what books are you reading? I'm like, what books am I not reading? Right. You know, I'm not reading the books you're reading, but I like every year I reread all the founders books. This year it's going to be hard because I have to read them online because I'm obviously, you know, not surrounded by all my books, but it's like, that's what I, why, why do you go? Because why, if you found a well with sweet water, why would you go to any other well? Particularly when that well is close, that well is deep. That well is is available. Why would you go in search of other wells? See, and that and that's uh, yeah, it goes back to the point that you're making. Like you know, I we because we're both we're all believers here, but but it doesn't have to be the gospel of Christ. There is so many um, wonderful writings, like Richard Price, like you know the people that that, that you espouse, the Cheshire and Gordon people, the all these people that have written such beautiful and but Deep. that are never taught. I mean, that's the whole point. Right. Nobody knows any of them. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, they most people barely know the Federalist Papers, let alone the Anti-Federalist they, Papers. No, they know the name. Right. <laughs> right. Because when I quote the Federalist, do you know how people just shut up? When yeah. I quoted it in my article about the Pledge of Allegiance, where Madison says this is a confederation of independent sovereign states, not a national constitution. Huh? Where does it say that? Federalist papers. Oh. Well, that sucks because I'm a conservative and I love the, the Federalist papers. It must be an anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> must have been that. that, that Just that one. That, ha- that Hamilton P. <laughs> I mean, I, but Hamilton says it too. Well, that's because no. I mean Hamilton. You know, uh, well Hamilton was the, the 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 great like yeah. Uh, you know, he he knew which side to be on yeah, when he no, needed to be he on that side. He definitely <laughs> he played the game. He did. He played the game and he played it well. And now there's a musical about him, right? Well, <laughs> but what's what is three fourths that musical about? His adultery. Yeah, I don't get me wrong. I love some of the songs in Hamilton. They're awesome, but most of that play is about him committing adultery. Well, well, Madison didn't do that. You're not going to get a Madison play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You're not going to get it. Madison had a the much more character of, yeah, of yeah, Madison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's rap about him. Let's, let's rap, rap about Let's rap about little Jim. Let's, let's get that hip hop going. In West Philadelphia. <laughs> Born and raised. Well, I don't know. West, in, in West Orange, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, Mount Pelier. Oh, he wasn't really born at Mount Pelier. So. <laughs> I'm trying to look. I want to see if I included that Cicero quote about seduction 
in the uh, Founders recipe. I don't remember if I did, so I'm gonna look that up. Talk. Okay, about- yeah, that's no, that 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 was a mind blower for me, you know, because you know I'm I'm just a dumb musician, man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, it's it's wild, like to think. Um, and you talk about Babylon, Rome, like, like we're living in the days of, of yeah. Here it is Caesar. on the Republic. I did it. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I'm glad you did because I but was here scrambling. It is. It's from on the Republic, it's from on the Republic or on the Commonwealth, as you might find it called, which means the same thing. You understand? Commonwealth is an English word for res publica, the the wealth of the people, the thing of the people, the people's business. Commonwealth was simply an English translation for the word res publica, which some people call republic, which is fine. But anyway, that's in case you find, I don't find on the republic. I can only find on the commonwealth. Same thing. Same thing. Same dang thing. (laughs) Kings do king things. Remember that? You remember that quote? Kings do kings. Kings do king things. (laughs) That was uh, LeBron. LeBron. He's like, kings do king things. Well, LeBron, he, what do you do when you're off the court? Kings do king things, my man. Well, he's speaking the truth there. <laughs> the truth. All right. So he writes. So Cicero. So this is around, I don't know, 45-ish, 43 BC, right before the tyrant had him assassinated. Nor is it sufficient to possess this virtue as an art unless we practice it. An art indeed, though not exercised, may still be retained in knowledge, but the existence of virtue depends entirely on its continued use. Mm-hmm. You can always know something, but to remain virtuous, you got to continue doing virtuous things. It's a Can't perishable skill. Thing, right? But that's, isn't that exactly what Richard Price just said? Yep. Mm-hmm. 1,800 years later. Right. Well, maybe he read Cicero. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he Rubbish. did not. He wasn't in his no. textbook. Cicero wasn't in his textbook. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kikero, Kikero, for all my heritage educated. Yeah, Kikero, yeah. You know, because you really learned Latin at heritage. (laughs) Kikero. So, Xenocrates, one of the sublimest philosophers, when someone asked him what his disciples learned, he replied, they do, what his disciples learned, he replied, they do of their own free will what they otherwise would be compelled to do by law. Boom. Mm. If it's a good thing, they're going to do it. They don't need the law to compel them. That's right. An idea so good, you had to be forced to do it. Brought to you by the Pledge of Allegiance. (laughs) And since we feel an urge to seek this blessing, the improvement of all mankind, by the spur of nature herself, let us carry out this glorious endeavor, always so dear to the best men, and not listen for a moment to the seductions of those who sound retreat so loudly that they sometimes manage to call back the people who've already made considerable improvement in virtue. Wow. That's my man, Kikero. Kikero. Old chickpea nose. <laughs> We need, we need some hummus, baby. Yeah, or as the founders <laughs> called him, Tully. If you ever read the founders, they call him. They don't call. They typically don't call him Cicero. They call him because Cicero was not his, his surname, right? 
Tullius or Tully was uh, Mark Tully. You know, if he lived today, his name would be Mark Tully. That's crazy. It'd be harder to like, as Mark Tully once said, you'd be like, mm, <laughs> Cicero. Yes. We listened to Cicero. You listened to him? No, we listened to, oh, we listened to a guy named Cicero, <laughs> a guy named Mark Tully. <laughs> eh. Eh, come on now. Come on. But I mean, that's the thing. We, if we're seeking the best of all men, this let us carry out this glorious endeavor and not listen to the seductions of those who sound retreat so loudly they sometimes call back the people who've already made but Joey, their own improvement. Joey, the most important thing for this country to do is to keep Ukraine free. Don't you know this? That is the I, most I, I, important I thing. <laughs> I, I, hey, I'm, I identify. As Ukrainian, I mean, I was yeah. born born in you know in a, in the United I States. I can't wait to see those Biden bucks coming in your bank but account. I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm identifying as a Eastern European country trying to qualify for NATO membership. <laughs> right. I just want the money. I'm I'm gonna make movies of the Russians bombing me, and uh, yeah, yeah, I just I just want the money. Hey, yeah. If you could if you could blow up a pipeline for me, I'd be I, grateful. I, Allegedly, okay, citizen. Alleged. Come on, citizen. Okay. Sorry. Come on, man. <laughs> the but what I think is funny is now when I did that video the other day about that series of video about thing that would make the conservative sacred cows that would make the founding fathers, you know, go into a coma. One of them was support for Ukraine, and I got all these conservatives. Conservatives don't support that, what? dude. You voted to give him a bust, a bust of the president of Ukraine in the capital. Wow. What do you mean you don't? We don't support this all of a sudden. Well, what did the opposition, the Republicans, the opposition party say? The most important thing for us to do is to support Ukraine. Not who cares about this, you know. Well, now they East oppose it because thing. Biden is all about it. Right. But well, now, right? It's the whole thing about, you know, Democrats the bad, the Republicans right. good. The Poof thing. Right? Yeah. It's like we carry more. What was the exact quote? The, uh, um, we d don't follow the dictates of reason. We simply try to support. How did he say it? Hold on, talk again. Man, I, I what do we support, Connor? So Come on, you know this quote. I've quoted that so many times. <laughs> sit here and be like, I've been deep in thought in my own head. You're so. deep in thought. What oh, are what, what are you thinking about? It's just the whole conversation, really. Oh. Um, I mean, we are, we are, we are deep. It's true. I mean, deep and yes, we're deep. <laughs> I, my dad, you say that's why my eyes were brown. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm reviewing our whole conversation. Just thinking. And you're it. wanting to have Mike cut your part out. <laughs> He's like, He's like I, I don't want to be associated with this. Associated Can with you this please podcast? delete my audio? Cause none of this I agree with. I do not endorse. The weirdness that was going no. on. Excuse me while I say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> that, if Connor said the Pledge of Allegiance, I would know that Something's he wrong. was now in the Illuminati. <laughs> Can I say Someone asked today if the Illuminati was a real thing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Dude. Of course it's, I mean, but not like, not like ironically a real thing. There was an actual, you know, like Weishaupt created a thing called the Illuminati. Right. right. Like, that's a historical fact, bro. <laughs> Not just like, Jay-Z's an Illuminati. I saw him on the Grammy throwing up a diamond. 
What? He had his fingers in the, the shape of a dime. What? Yeah, man. He's in the Illuminati along with Colonel Saunders before he went belly up. Them and the Alistair queen, Crowley. The queen. <laughs> the Rothschilds. You know, which the Roth, don't get me started. Yeah, that's that's. Don't get me another, started on the Rothschilds. You don't, don't have time for that. <laughs> Another that'll be an, that'll be another podcast. The one the, the deep cuts <laughs> like the greatest you have the greatest is you have the deep cuts. When you're like talking We're gonna about, talk about the Rothschilds and the Nazis. Not even their last name. Like you literally choose a last like I'm gonna do that. What should it Smith? Why? Because I want it to be. Well, what's your real last? It doesn't matter. That is my real last name. I identify as a as a Rothschild. <laughs> But what's your last name, Rothschild? No, it isn't. No, what's not. your real last name, Rothschild? Oh yeah. How did you get that? Um, because there was a office with a red shield painted <laughs> on it, and Rothschild is red shield red in shield. German, and it sounded pretty bad, well, eh, if you ask me. How about how about the the royal family? You know, what's your last name? Um, <laughs> why'd you change your last name? What is it? They um, don't even have a bloody last um, name. They don't have an honest surname. Wait, I thought it was that Mountbatten, but that that was the English version of their. Right, What's the Guten? Not, the Guten, whatever. Right, but even oh, Saxa Gothenburg. Saxa Go yeah, yeah, which is my family too. Which is, is it really? Yeah, don't don't hold that against me. Wait, <laughs> you royal. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse um, me, excuse uh, me, while I bow to your greatness. Yes, <laughs> yes please acknowledge my superiority. Hold now on. we know the truth. So this is this has been all you know. We all agree with you. We know why now. Hold on, I want to find this uh, faction. Is it? That would be easy to find. Let's see. Which quote are you trying to find? The Pufendorf one, where he's like, you know, at the end of the day, what did they? Let's see. I think this is it right here. Yes, this is it. He said, um, uh, led away by a private interest, which is opposite to that state, being divided into factions, so parties, they are more concerned with ruining their rivals than following the dictates of reason. Uh, here's a boom. You, you want a deep cut on poof? Like, don't, don't just, you know, people are reading the whole duty. I get that because it's a synopsis of a much bigger book. Read the bigger book because they left out some really the yeah. deep cuts in that book. I read you can't find it in anything other than a facsimile form. Oh, really? So it's hecka hard to read, but put in the effort, man. Because Poofendorf's deep cuts, dude, I was marking so much, it was like I should stop marking. <laughs> the whole book is all I'm doing marking. is taking black text and highlighting it, right? Just <laughs> Just put something at the beginning. Every line should be, you know. Right. Because the deep. Cause Memorize book, the book. Yeah, because, I mean, whole duty is what are we looking at? 300 pages, maybe? Yeah. The book, the source book that they, because, you know, when he went to it teach a, it. It was a textbook. Yeah, when he went to teach at university, freshman, he was teaching them about um, uh, what natural law. Sorry, the word went around my head. Natural law. And his boss at the university is like, that's way too much. So he dialed it down to the whole duty of it, which is 300 pages. Take the source book. It's gonna. It's painful to read because of the facsimile. Because it's a facsimile edition from the 1600s, maybe the 1700s. And it's hard to read. 
but whoa, my man's mind. Yeah. Like you read Whole Duty of Man and you're like, no wonder he's a top 10 guy. Yeah. Right? No wonder he's top 10 influence on the Founding Fathers. But you read the source book and you're just like, what? You're like, dude, why didn't this make the cut for the book? You know? <laughs> right. I have a course to teach, <laughs> I guess. There you go, man. <laughs> there you go. The role in the yeah, you you really want to do that? It's you want to do yourself a kindness. No one will. I I say this stuff. No one listens. Nobody cares. Nobody well, listens. but here's the but thing: they go out and read the bloody source book of Poofendorf. They're like, ah, Poof, really? But dude? but you did. I mean, you, you know, know what I mean? People ask me that all the time. Like, what got you to this? I don't even know. Like, I give credit in Founders in the introduction to Dr. Vetterly. Yes. But if Dr. Vetterly were here, you know, he's passed away. You know, rest in peace, Richard Vetterly. Rest in power as a great man. Um, but he would deny it, not only because of his humility, but he's like, I never mentioned that stuff to you. But he didn't, right? He simply said, don't drop out of school. Here's the Federalist Papers. Write down things you don't recognize. Yeah. Look them up. That was really his contribution. It was one of these things, man. It was hand to heaven. It was Algernon Sidney who, you know, I, I can't wait to meet that guy and give him such thanks for everything he's done. For me personally, for all of us in regard to liberty and everything. But... It was him. When I read Discourses, I was like, it took me five years. I wrote in the front of my book, my, my copy that I still have. It took me five years to read Discourses because it was, I was determined to look up all the references. Yeah. Because dude just drops them. Like, even in Court Maxim, it was like, you know, Court Maxims is to Discourses what whole duty of law is to natural law. Whole oh, okay. duty of man is yeah, to yeah. natural law. But anyway, he... He was the guy that got me there. And I don't know. There's not a time I'm like, oh, I was this and then I was that. There's one of these things you can just make kind of brackets. Mm -hmm. But it was 100% Algernon Sidney who more than any person is is owed the, the thanks for saving me. Well, and that's a guy that again, like intellectually, obviously he, Jesus saved me spiritually, but right. But he, but you know, he's a, and, and I'm guessing this is one thing that resonated with you is that he's a guy that not just like wrote beautifully and coherently and just had bomb after bomb, Liberty bomb after Liberty bomb, but literally lived it, you know, up and including his life. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's that great of a writer. I think if he had been a better writer, he would have been John Locke. Gotcha. You know I mean? Yeah. As yeah. far as how well he's known. I think it's, <laughs> although Jefferson says it's the, it's an elementary book on the subject, right? Sure. TJ <laughs> dial it down. We get it. You're smart. <laughs> right? We get it. We get it. You're smart. No one's sitting over here. I wonder if, wonder if Thomas Jefferson smart. <laughs> No one's he, doing that to you. You're right a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I think on the other side, Sydney's over there. Whenever TJ walks around, he's like, oh. 
you know, whereas little Jimmy walks up, James Brown is like, Jimmy, what it do, player? <laughs> and they talk and stuff. But TJ walks around, they're like, come on, man. I mean, all you have to know about the difference, go to James Madison's grave, go to Thomas Jefferson's grave. <laughs> that is a sermon. That is all you need to know about the difference in those two men. <laughs> right. Madison has a tiny little three-foot obelisk that says Madison. You can see Madison. Jefferson has a giant <laughs> temple to his fame that lists everything he ever did. I'm not kidding. And not only did that happen, because people could say, oh, well, posthumously, when he died, his family won. No, no, no. It was in his will. That's awesome. He dictated. And Madison says, oh, you know, there's a little something, a little something in my family thing. Whereas Jefferson's like, author of the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> president of the United States, blah, blah, blah. Every little thing, you know, like assistant manager, assistant night manager at Wendy's. <laughs> Whatever he did, Jefferson has it on his. You could totally see, thing. and you're right. That'd be funny. You could see Madison up in heaven. You know, Jefferson walking by. He's saying, "Yeah, he still doesn't think his farts stink." Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> he's like, I mean, they're friends. They were best friends for right. twenty something years before Eventually. before Jefferson died. They were friends at the beginning because Madison's like, "This is a dude who gets it." And of course, Madison was a guy who, as Jefferson rightly said, the smartest man in the room, no matter what room he was in. You know. And and Jefferson planned on writing a biography of James oh, Madison. I didn't know that. Didn't get fit. Jefferson, you know, passed away obviously before Madison was the last surviving founding father. In fact, but yeah, but um, no, I, I Sidney is he, he wasn't a good. I don't think he was a good writer, and I don't think he'd be angry with me saying that because much of discourses is is disjointed okay right but he nonetheless if you put in the time well and, it wasn't really a completed and it wasn't complete right he still hadn't completed it when he was murdered and you know i'm telling you it, man don't get me started on sydney this is during hours that man is you know the sun moon and stars to me to be honest he uh, that's why every year we have still, I have not missed a year and I don't know how long the memorial of his passing on December 7th, you know, he is, he's, yeah. he's the man in every way. But I mean, even the fact that if you went to the head of the history, American history department at ASU and said, tell me what you know about Algernon Sydney," he'd probably be like, uh, I think he was an anti-monarch Republican, you know, like he was one of those guys, you know, that voted to, you know, regicide to kill King Charles or whatever. There'd be very, he might know that he was influential on the founding fathers to some little degree. Yeah. But that'd be it. I, well, I used to say 14 year olds, but I don't teach anymore or teach. Well, that's not true. I do teach founders. I could tell you 14 year olds right now on a farm in Missouri, hid and unregarded, who could tell you more about Algernon Sidney than the head of the American History Department at ASU? And this is Sidney's observation of history coming to life that it will be this group of young people when they come of age, having been hid and, un and unregarded, kept out of the indoctrination camps. These kids will reach an age when they will show forth testimony of their love of freedom that will be spoken of for all ages to come. Because when I would say that to those kids at Heritage, I'm like, someday the way we hang pictures 
of George Washington and James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, they'll hang pictures of you. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. That just all that takes is kids with that knowledge, not just being devils. Yep. Knowledge plus virtue, as Richard Price and Cicero and, mentioned. You know, you're seeing that with your students, Connor. I mean, you're seeing that with with the the rising generation. You know, um, there's a lot. There's there's a lot of people. More, I, I, you know. Obviously, we wish there were more. You know, but but you know, they'll have babies. That's what I always tell them. Use math to our advantage. The, the, Go have nine. Go create nine patriots. Create, um, yeah, because the the go the replenish the, the earth geometry, of liberty. The geometry of liberty, you know, yeah. Yeah. what that the uh, Neil Maxwell, the arithmetic of the atonement. <laughs> yeah, uh, what could we call it? The I like the, the, the multiplication of <laughs> I don't know the, the geometry of liberty. The geometry of liberty is good. Well, you know, it is. It's geometric rather than yeah, rather than arithmetic. Where did I read that the other day? What was I reading? Make it geometric rather than arithmetic. I don't that's, know. Uh, oh, that's Sydney. Yeah. yeah. And court <laughs> maxims. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Who wrote that? Bring it, bring, hey, bring it back home. Who is Algernon Sydney? Algernon what? <laughs> you know, can you imagine? <sighs> well, yes. I, I want, I got to cut time, this yes, short. Yes, I know. I do too because I got to go pick up my wife in like 11 minutes. But man, this has been a joy. Thanks. Thank you, Joey Wolverton, Connor Kimball. You guys rock. Thank you. You are listening to End of Love Remain. First of 23 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. Trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization down.